Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of, but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, hey, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Uh, this is episode 241. Uh, we are with Coach Jacob Bruce. He's the head boys coach at Cape Spring High School in Virginia. Um, and what a, what a great honor because uh, we've I've spoken to a lot of Virginia coaches, Jacob, on that, and I've always wanted to kind of get a hold of you. Uh, today's topic is the championship run that he had in 2019, 2020. Uh, but Jacob, before we go into that, man, please, uh, again, welcome to the podcast. Kind of tell us, give us a brief bio on your career. Coach, man, thanks so much for having me. Man. It's just awesome to, to get on and talk hoops with you. And, you know, I appreciate all you do and how much you promote uh, the game of basketball. Uh, you do a tremendous job with it. So just thanks for, for having, a, having a high school guy like me on here, um, you know, yeah, I've been, I've been at K-Spring, just finished my, my seventh year here at K-Spring. We, you know, I'm very blessed to be in an unbelievable supportive community with, with great kids, great parents, great community support. Um, our academics at the school are second to none. Uh, you know, I've really landed in a really good spot. I've got a, uh, a soon-to-be 11 and 9-year-old um, this week. Uh, they turn 11 and 9, and you know, this, this is definitely a, a great job uh, basketball-wise and a great job for, for me to be able to, uh, to raise my family in a, in a really great community like we have here at K-Spring. So very, very blessed with that. Um, you know, we've had some good runs at K since I've been here. Um, took over a program, had some really good tradition. Uh, you know, we had to you know, change some things with it when we, when we got here, and um, we've really put our our, our stamp on things here and, and, and the way that we do things, which we do things a little different than most. Um, before here, I was at uh, Averett University, uh, NCAA Division Three as an assistant coach. 
really, really enjoyed my time there um, with, with Matt Park. He was the head coach there. Uh, really learned a lot from Matt. Um, you know, and before there, I was with Bob Williams at West Virginia Tech NAIA Division I school. Um, and, and, you know, Bob Williams is, is a Hall of Famer, man. His dad was a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, I tell everybody, uh, you know, if I would have been Bob Williams' assistant coach starting off in my career, I'd have won a whole lot more games. That guy saw basketball, uh, you know, differently than what I did, which was great. Um, you know, he def defended things different than what I did. And he was a whole lot more right than what I was. And, and I think I could have won a lot more games if I would have um, been, been a head coach or been his assistant coach in the very beginning. Uh, tremendous individual, um, big time mentor in my life uh, on the basketball side. Uh, before then, I was the head coach at, at, at Dan River High School in Ringgold, Virginia. Man, we had some really incredible kids there. I uh, took over a program that won like eight games the combined two years before I got there. And, you know, I think we won maybe seven, eight, ten games the first year. Same thing the next. Got to like 500 our third year there. And then we were like 82 and 19 our last four years there with nice. a state runner-up, a final four and two uh, elite eights. Just had some incredible athletes there. We, you know, we have more athletes than basketball players. And I say that with all due respect to the players I had there, you know, the, the three Edmonds kids that are in the NFL. Uh, I was blessed enough to coach those kids. And I tell everybody, man, they were, they're way better people than they are athletes. So that speaks volumes of, 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 of who they are. And, uh, you know, again, I've been, been very fortunate to be around really good basketball people. Uh, really good basketball minds and really good communities that really enjoy and appreciate hard work and, and, and good basketball. So, uh, you know, before then I was a, I was a, a assistant coach, a JV coach in the state of North Carolina for, uh, for three or four years. So that's kind of my uh, Cliff Notes version of, of, of my basketball career. <laughs> I love it. Um, you have an interesting past. You, you went, you started high school. Mm -hmm. uh, and not only that, you started as an assistant. Um, did you, being an assistant help you as a head coach? Because I, I mean, I've never been an assistant coach, and I'm yeah, not I sure. I tell I'm you not what, sure if I'm capable. Yeah, I tell you what was awesome is to be able to start out. I started out as like, and I say like the lowest level. Like I was a JV assistant coach uh, for for a gentleman named Harry Daniel. Uh, he was um, an old uh, retired Coast Guard. Uh, tough as nails. Uh, I remember, I, you know, I graduated college and my dad doesn't, my mom and dad don't appreciate as much as I do. It took me four and a half years. It took me a little longer than most. Uh, so I graduated in December and in January, um, I got this job started first of January. Man, you know, I'm eager. I'm excited to coach. And, and Coach Daniel walked past my classroom and said, he didn't even know my name. He called me Gus. Still calls me Gus to this day. He said, Gus, I heard you wanted to coach. I said, yes, sir. He said, practice today after school. I'm going to work your ass off and I'm not going to pay you anything. I thought, man, I get to coach basketball. I'll be there today. I can't wait. Like I was fired up and on fire. Uh, it was really cool. I learned a lot from him that year. Um, and at the end of that season, he looked at me and said, we're going to switch seats. I want you to be the JV head coach and I will be your assistant. He's like, I've been around the game for 30 years. So I got the chance to learn from him. And then he mentored me as a, as a coach. Uh, then, then, you know, I got into, 
the head job. And I got into a varsity assistant. And then I got my first head job at, um, you know, in Dan River. And I tell you, the best thing that I think I did was I went from there as a head coach for seven years, and we were really successful. Not necessarily because of me, but because we had really good players. And I left there as a head coach and took a step back to an assistant coach uh, in college for two years. And, man, the different perspective that I got. Because, you know, as a head coach, man, we're up, we're coaching every step, every pass, every dribble, every shot. Mm-hmm. And to step back and have a different role was tough. Don't get me wrong. It was, it was a tough transition. But to see the game differently, um, you know, I think that's why I'm a, a, a better coach now than I was than when I was at Dan River. You know, I think, you know, I saw the way the head coach treated an assistant coach. I saw the duties he gave me. I saw the game differently because, you know, emotionally I was definitely involved in the game. But the coach has to make, the head coach has to make that decision, you know, like that. We're under fire. we got to make the decision where I could see it, you know, in, in a different lens than he could. Um, I tell you, I think that was the hardest thing I did was move from a head to an assistant, but the best thing that I did. And I think that's that's why I've developed my myself as a, co- as a head coach a lot better. You find it better to um, sharpen your saw, I guess is the old term, and and improve your craft when you're an assistant because when the head coach you're so focused on the winning you don't have time sometimes to go back and research and study but as an assistant right you i think you can do more is that is that true because it's hard as a head coach you have so many responsibilities and i think you hit the nail perfect there is is as a head coach man like you're worried about fundraising practice planning dealing with booster club dealing with parents dealing with academics dealing with this dealing with that and like your coaching, you know, is 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 a little bit uh, is what five ten percent of what you do is, and I don't think a lot of people really can wrap their head around it. When I was at West Virginia Tech, it was just Coach Williams and myself. So I was the film coordinator, uh, I was the strength and conditioning coach, I was the laundry guy, I was the uh, individual skill guy. I mean, I did all that, which made me really develop as a coach, man. You know, and I could do so much to help him and like you said I could just coach more and 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 help him take stuff off his plate and I think that's really great to be able to do and and I think as an assistant you just get to coach more yeah that's a great point Jacob um hey what now I want you to go right into before you start on your your run that you had um I guess a couple years ago during the COVID which is I'm sure it's amazing story um I think I overheard something about you didn't practice or you didn't play at home, all that kind of stuff. Um, before we yeah. go into that, uh, talk about your philosophy. What's your culture there at the school? Because, and I also wanted to go into, you keep using the word, we have a unique program. We do things differently. I want to know what you guys do differently, but talk about your culture of your school. Yeah, I think, program. you know, like, like culture is one of those words that like I love and I hate because I think it's like, <laughs> one of those just buzzwords, like everybody's like, man, I just put something about our culture on Twitter or our culture right. on Instagram. Like, I think that word gets used way too much, but in the same breath, like, I think we have a really cool culture here. I, I think we understand exactly who we are at K-Spring. I think we embrace who we are at K-Spring. You know, I, I think our culture is like, we're the hardest working guys. Like, I think that we have to come in and everybody works hard. I know everybody says that, but legit, our guys enjoy working. Uh, you know, 
if you see our June calendar, like we don't have a day off, like in right. a normal year, get rid of all this COVID stuff. Like we'll play in a team camp every week in a gym. We'll do individual workouts and lift Monday through Friday. Um, I think our culture is differently here. I think we are great people. Uh, knock on wood, man. I don't want to jinx anything that we've done here, but like we have really good people here. And, and I think it starts with our kids have great parents at home that instill great values and have high expectations of them on and off the floor and in the community. And, and our coaches, our assistant coaches here embrace that. And we really reinforce about being a good person, being a great competitor, being a high academic guy. I mean, you know, we had five seniors this year. Heck, two of them are going to UVA. One's going to Virginia Tech, got the highest engineering scholarship there. Another one's going to JMU. And another kid's already started his own recycling business, his own landscaping business. Like all five of those dudes are going to be more successful than I am. And probably all five of them are already smarter than I am in life right now. And I'm okay admitting it. I'm just a dumb basketball coach. So we just have a culture of our guys want to do the right thing. Our guys understand that it's really important to us to give back to the community. And they embrace that. But it all starts at home. Like we have, and people get tired of me saying this, but we have a great community here that re really reinforces people doing the right thing, that really embraces our guys doing the right thing and giving back and, and being good people. And, and I think that's, that's our culture. But then again, we're the hardest working guys and we want to kick your butt. And if we got you down by 10, we want to kick you while you're down and beat you by 20. So, you know, we're, we're that warrior on the floor and that gentleman off the floor. So it's that, that good balance. And, and again, that culture word is a, is a big time buzzword, but I hate it, but I love it too. So when you got there, was that, Part of the community there or, or did yeah you, you know it, 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 really, that? it really was and, and it's something that we continued into you know when we got the job here man it was uh, uh you know the biggest change here is i am a defensive guy if you ask our guys like that's who we are and and that's what we do we took over program is very offensive minded you know i'll never forget the first team camp we went to we had a fast break and i'd only been on a job like two weeks we had a three on two fast break and we jack a three. When I was at Dan River, we'd go dunk on somebody. We'd attack the rim. Like we kicked out for a three. And I'm like, my God, like this isn't, this isn't who I am. This is not what I do. Um, and you know, defense was secondary, offense was 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 the first, um, was the first priority. And, and we've really changed that culture into, you know, our defense is what we pride ourselves on. Yeah, and I, I want you to talk about that here in a second. Um, talk about a guy, Tim Myers. Um, and it sounds like he's, I mean, he's just part of your school, your community. Talk about what a great story. I was reading that about him. Uh, I know it's sad, uh, on his passing and everything, but he had a big impact on the program there, didn't he? Oh man, he is, he is the foundation cornerstone, whatever word you want to use, man, he is. So when I took this job, he was on the staff before. Um, you know, I interviewed everybody on staff and I'm like, man, there's no way this guy is not a part of our staff. Um, probably the biggest heart of any guy I've ever been around. Um, loves Cave Spring, loves the basketball program. It's his love and passion for our basketball program is unmatched. You know, as a head coach, you're all in. It's hard to find those assistants who love it and are as passionate as all in as you are. 
and and he was that guy. Um, you know, he wasn't afraid to to do laundry. He wasn't afraid to sweep a floor. He wasn't afraid to tell me I screwed up in a game. Wasn't tell me that in practice we wasted this time. You know, we've talked about you and I've talked a little bit about like in our profession, it's changed so much. But he's the old school guy, which I hate when people call it old school because I think that's the right school, the way right. he did things. Um, and he wasn't afraid to tell me the truth. He wasn't afraid to, to tell me anything. His, without him, I don't transition into this community the way that we did. You know, I'd never been to Roanoke, Virginia ever in my life until I came for an interview. Right. And then the next day I came, I came for my second interview. The third time I came here is for practice. So he transitioned in, transitioned me into this. And again, he's been around the, the program way longer than I have, you know, for 20 some years. But what's really cool about Coach is he's evolved over those 20 years. Kids have changed drastically in five years, let alone 20 years, the way they are. And he can relate to those kids. Uh, and they absolutely loved and adored him. We, uh, we, we, you know, we opened up a new school and in our team room, the first thing I did was order a plaque to honor Coach when you, when you come in. And so when you come in our team room, you got you know, six or seven steps before you get to my office which is in the team room, you know, I told her guys about it. And, you know, I said, you know, just kind of nod to coaches as a little bit of respect when you come in. And uh, I'll never forget my first couple of days when we were having open gyms and stuff, they'd all come in and say, what's up, coach? I'd always say, hey, what's up? Thought they were talking to me. They were talking to coach, which shows you the amount of respect they have for him. Yeah, they sure. always say bye to him and walk out. Um, loyalty is, is one of the biggest things I think of when I think of coach. Like he had my back no matter what. And that's hard to find, isn't it? That's hard to find. Uh, in, in today's <laughs> world, man, you, you don't find it. Um, we named an award after him this year, and I cried like a baby when I gave it away. It's just, I miss my buddy every day. You know, I really do. And he's, I, I was only fortunate enough to know him for seven years, but man, he was so impactful in my life. Hey, uh, tell me about. Tell me about the Scooby Snacks story. All right, you got to tell, I mean, that, that's not like a funny story. It sounds like you're pretty intense. Uh, talk about that a little bit with that coach. So Mike. I'm probably the, the most intense guy probably ever with, with our guys. And, and I, <laughs> so our first game was, was on the road. And, you know, I never think we play good. We can win by 50. And I'm that guy that never thinks we play good. Right. And uh, so we get beat on the road our first game here, you know, and when I was at Dan River, you know, the, it was a, it was a different community. It was different there for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, so I get on the bus after I'm always the last guy to leave locker room, make sure it's clean, make sure we leave anything. I'm mad at the world because we just got beat. We didn't play well. And I get on the bus and I go to sit down. There's something in my seat. I'm, you know, lights are off. I'm like, God, what is this? And I said, Coach, what like what are these bags? He's like, Coach, that's our little snack bag for the way home. I'm thinking, my God, we're not in kindergarten. Like, what are we talking about? We got snack bags in the bus. I'm like, whatever. So I sit down. So I start going through it. And there's a bag of Scooby snacks. So I stand up in the middle of the bus. And I'm like, you know why we lost tonight? Because we have Scooby snacks. I, boom. I throw it in the back of the bus, make a complete fool of myself. I'm just mad. It has nothing to do with the Scooby snacks. So I come in the next day for practice. And when you walked in our old team room, there's a big window there. And coach was sitting at my desk at the office, laid back like this with a big smile on his face. I'm like, what is this rascal up to? 
So I walk in. He went to Sam's that day and bought an economy-sized box of Scooby nice. Snacks. He's like, Coach, you got some Scooby Snacks if you want them. <laughs> hey, it's just his personality, man. He's just a, hey, he was, he's just a big goofball. We, we always had a good time, man. So, yeah, and you need that, right? You need that as an assistant a lot of times because um, – you can't you can't have too many serious people. No, <laughs> you know he saying? kept balance, man. He kept balance for sure. <laughs> you gotta have that. I think we forget about that, like the personalities of assistant coaches. But um, yeah, I love that. Talk about JJ Reddick. He went to Cage Spring, is that correct? Yeah, he went to Cage Spring. The greatness you know, of him. Yeah, I've never had contact with him or anything like that. But man, you know, when people think of Cage Spring High School and Cage Spring basketball, man, that's the first thing I think about, man. I mean, what what a stud he was and you know, we, he is, he holds every school record for, for everything basketball wise and is having an unbelievable career now in, in the NBA. And, um, you know, just, you know, he is case free basketball. Yeah. I mean, how did his, how did his legacy inspire like boys now playing for you? I mean, how much oh, is he still impact? He still has an impact to today. I mean, kids still see him in the NBA and like, man, like that's a guy from case free high school in Roanoke, Virginia. It went to Duke, man. If he can do it, I can do it, you know. And and I, and I think he is obviously he's the bar. He's he's everything that 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 you know basketball wise you you want. And yeah, you know, I think it's cool that our guys know that that guy played in our gym and was in our team room and and came from here and played. You know, did everything here. I think it's really cool that now he went to Duke and now he's in the NBA. Just think it's it's really neat for our guys to be able to look up to that. Yeah, and it, and it gives kids dreams and so forth, but. I, I guess there's sometimes when the, you know, kids got to be realistic about their dreams, but at least gives them some hope that they can play at the next level, possibly. Yeah, the problem um, is every kid thinks they're J.J. Reddick that comes. Exactly, exactly. And so does their mom and dad. Now I'm just playing. That's right. <laughs> um, all right, talk about your championship run. I'm 19, 2019-20 uh, was a very difficult time. But um, talk about your run. Kind of start from the beginning. Uh, maybe what were your expectations? Did you expect to have that good a team? And kind of, kind of, kind of talk us through a little bit. Yeah. So like rewind the the January before then, we got kicked out of our school. We went through a full renovation of our school, um, where our entire school building was kicked out into uh, what they call them, learning cottages, which were trailers. They mm. call them learning cottages. That just sounds better in the media. Yeah. Thing. Um, so we had no gym. We had no gym for the remainder of the, of the season before that. So we played every game in the road, practice um, away from our gym every day. Um, and then all summer, obviously, we were at our middle school, which our middle school is a great gym, but it's only got, I don't know, maybe it's called eight rows on each side of bleachers, very small gym, um, not a lot of room around. So we couldn't play many games there. Um, and so our 1920 year, we had to get on a bus every day to go to practice. We had to bus up, you know, 35, 40 minutes to a place called Spectrum up here, practice there, bus home. Uh, we played in every one-day classic that you can imagine, every one-day tournament that you can imagine. So I didn't have to go to somebody twice. You know, we would play, you know, at your place once, and then we would play in this one-day classic um, the next day. We, uh, in Valley High School, which is like two miles from our schools, our big rival 3A school, uh, same as us, same district. They actually allowed us to play some home games there on Saturdays. Um, so we were we were homeless, man. We were we had no gym for practice. 
no gym for games. You know, like I tell everybody, my office was the back of my car. Um, it was, uh, it, it was crazy, man. It, it was insane to think that we had to just live on the, live on the road the whole time, but our guys really embraced it, man. We ended up being 27 and two. Mm-hmm. Again, we're 3A and we only lost to um, a 5A school twice by combined uh, six points. Uh, had chances to win uh, both of those games. Um, and during a just, you know, crazy year with us being all over the place, man, we, we, had, a, we had an unbelievable team. We had a, uh, a point guard named Jalen Buster, uh, who ended up being state player of the year for us. Um, and check this, he averaged 8.3 points per game, 7.2 assists per game, and he was state player of the year. Like wow. imagine me going to this meeting and the other three guys, man, their, their numbers are like 25 and 12, you know, 19 right. and 16, you know, all these guys double doubles and I throw out, Hey, yeah. Uh, 8.3 points per game and 7.2 assists per game. Yeah. Yeah. Seven to one assist to turnover ratio. Um, was, it, it was, is a division one baseball player is, is what he went to, to school for. Um, and was just an incredible point guard. He had to have a great relationship. He leaves, lives two streets behind me um and and, you know as a point guard he's an extension of you as a coach he really got me understood we thought a lot alike um and then we had two great shooters um that you know both of those shooters were you know shot you know around 40 percent from three that could just flat out stroke it um and then I had two big men a six seven and a six eight kid um, underneath that were very, very skilled and very talented. And then our sixth man ended up walking on to Virginia Tech for football. You know, I told everybody I really had six starters. You know, we didn't have five starters. We really had six starters. So a lot of times when Lucas Duncan came in the game, we got better. He just brought a toughness and a grit um, to, to who we were. Um, but it was a, a crazy, unbelievable ride that, that we had. Um, you know, we were so balanced. Um, you know, we, we had, you know, four guys that averaged double digits and then Jalen averaged 8.3. So it was kind of a pick your poison. A lot of people like, hey, we're going to take out, you know, my big 6'8 Parker Hoffman kid and shut him down. Let's well, find my two shooters we go off. You know, or, hey, we're going to shut down, you know, Reed Pendleton or Adnan, who are, who are two shooters, that our big guys would go off. Uh, you know, I never forget we we're playing at Salem and, uh, Jalen, my point guard, ended up putting up 26 because they were just kind of not letting him do what he wants. But that was the last guy that, that they were focusing on. He put up 26, and, and we beat him at their place. Um, we were just so bounced. And, you know, in high school, a lot of teams have one or two guys. If you can really limit those guys, then you're going to be okay. We were balanced. We were unselfish. Um, you know, we were preseason number one and never moved to that number one spot the entire year, which, as you know, man, that's a lot of pressure on kids. And it is. It's, it's heavy, and, and it weighs on you. Um, but this group was really special because they've been playing together since they were in middle school, you know, and even before then, but they all played in middle school together. And I'll never forget those guys. They always told me if we were going to win. Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board, the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. 
Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado. State championship for two years. Like, and it wasn't a like conceited, like cockiness. It was just like they really just believed it was going to happen. Um, and and they would tell me, oh, Coach, you know we're going to win. I'm like, relax. Like, I don't know why you're so uptight. Like, relax, Coach. Like, we got this. And I'm like, man, come on, man. Like, we got a chance as a coach, man. You're under stress all the time, but right. You know, we talked about before with our culture and things. Like those guys, we would work out in the morning, and those guys would text me, "Hey, coach, like at nine o'clock tonight, can we come up and get shots off?" And I'm like, "As a coach, you're not gonna tell those dudes no. Yeah. Like you're never gonna tell them no." And we'd go up and you know we'd shoot from nine to ten in the middle school. They'd be like, "Hey, coach, like let's go up from you know, are your kids in bed?" I'm like, "Yeah, all right. Can you meet us up in the middle school in fifteen minutes?" Let's get an individual workout in. Like, I've got these four guys who want to come in. And that's kind of the culture that, that I'm talking about is, like, they knew they were going to be good, but, like, they wanted to work to prove and make sure that that happened. Um, and, and that's the really cool thing about, about what they did and, and how they did. That's the four state championship in the K-Spring uh, basketball history. So, uh, you know, to do it the way we did, you know, I know there were some really good teams, you know, obviously one with J.J., and then there was Josh Henderson that, you know, a big seven-footer that was on back-to-back one. Uh, but I'd put this team up against anybody, you know, to, to play on the road and, uh, and not to have a home and everywhere you went was an away game or a neutral site. You know, it, it, was, it was pretty special what, what these guys accomplished. So by ha- – by- it's, it's, it's you against the world, right? Was that your mentality? I mean, yeah, it, it really a lot of times that's good. And you know what? I loved it. You know, we actually got to play a home game this year because we opened up our new gym. I'm like, man, this is weird. Like, you know, <laughs> I got to do all this stuff. Like, they really enjoyed, like, having that chip on their shoulder when they walked in because we had a huge target on us anyways because we were number one team in the state. And then it was us against the world. Like, everybody, you know, most games we went, it was a packed house, if not sold out. And it was – just crazy. We got everybody's best shot all year. And obviously it made us better during our stretch run, but they really embraced that like us against the world mentality. You know, as coaches, we played it up really, really well as as well. And it it was fun. It was fun just to see them embrace it and then then really flourishing. Jacob, let me ask you about this. I know here, um, you know, Gene Durden, (laughs) everybody knows Gene. Gene's Um, the man, the goat. (laughs) Yeah, he's actually going to be speaking at my clinic. Matter of fact, I want to I want to invite all you guys down to come to the clinic. There's some great coaches out here going to speak at it. But um, hey, if you can get Gene at a clinic, everybody shows up. Oh, you sell it out, man. Sell, sell it out. out. I just wanted to sign my shirt or something. We'll be good. <laughs> Dreams come true, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Gene, what's first? He'll be the first one to tell you. There's a lot of transfers out here in the Atlanta kids are moving all over the place I don't I just don't think that's good overall I love your story because you had kids that probably they were probably together in the elementary middle school they grew up together there's something about consistency and kind of learning how to play learning each other rather than the transfer portal and I I I just I think that's uh underrated that's really cool that you said that so at our state championship banquet we're sitting there talking you know, and I'm making a speech, you know, kids are wanting me to probably shut up so they can see our state championship ring. And I said, the coolest thing to me is in the world of transfers, in the, in the world of me, and I got to get mine and I've got to score my points and I've got to do this. I said, 
it's six guys that can start. And I had three guys that came off the bench that we didn't we didn't lose a we didn't lose anything when they came in the game. They were such good role pieces. You know, Cameron Bishop came in from Jalen Buster when we're down uh, in the district finals. We were down in the first half. Jalen got foul trouble. Cameron Bishop, a rising junior or a junior at the time, excuse me, came in. We actually took the lead. You know, so for all those guys to embrace who they are, I told our parents, I said, what's really cool is we're all case free kids. We didn't go out and get the best kid from here, the best kid from here, the best kid from here, the best kid from here. I pulled an all star team together and win a state championship. We wanted with kids that went to Penn Forest Elementary, you know, Back Creek, Clearbrook, all these little elementary schools around here. Right. And they could have very easily said, you know what, man, if I'm Matt Cagle, Parker Hoffman, Jalen Buster, whatever, I could go to another school and I could put up big time numbers. But none of them did. But again, I think that goes back to the very first thing we talked about is they have parents that get it. They have parents that understand, like, it's more than about just me. And what we did, like, I'm not trying to over-dramatize anything because whenever you win a state championship is really a life-changing thing in, in your kid's life and your family life. But, man, the way we did it with not having a gym, not having a school, being in trailer parks, using porta-potties as our bathrooms out there, like, everything that they went through to win a state championship and to do it with Cave Spring kids is incredible. You know, like you said, we're living in the world of transfer portals. And don't get me wrong. I love a transfer when they come into me. I hate when a kid transfers out. And that's everybody in America, right? Um, but, like, I think it takes the right type of kid to transfer into our program. You know, we've had, you know, we had a kid last year transfer in. You know, we could have a kid transfer in this year, I'm sure. Who knows? Um, but I think it takes the right type of kid to understand who we are. I don't think everybody fits in here. I think you got to be that right type of peg to fit into our program. Right, absolutely. And if they don't fit in, there's there's other schools that they can go to. You have to fit into mm-hmm. your culture of what you built. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about, I want to know about your feeder program. I want to know what you do. Um, I think your best schools, including when, I, when we talk about Gene, Gene's the best at what he calls his breakfast club, his feeder program. His kids all play in the Gwinnett League out in, in this area and so forth. He does a great job. And I know you probably do the same. Talk about how you, you're building your program to get to that state championship level. Yeah, so when I got here, you know, I, I looked at the K-Spring Rec Basketball website and they had a director of basketball in there. And I'm like, man, what is this? Like, I don't even know what this is. So right. I saw they had a meeting. So I emailed the person. I didn't know who I was emailing. I said, hey, can I come to your meeting? I'm like, sure. So I went and just introduced myself. Well, that turned into me coaching my son's team and being the director of K-Spring Basketball. I'm like, wait a second, this is during my season. Like, what are we doing? So now I'm in charge of all K-Spring Rec Basketball, which as soon as a kid uh, turns eight, he can play in rec basketball before it's upward basketball here. So I know every kid. We took it from like, you know, roughly 200 kids, about 450 kids now in our rec basketball program. So that's been been huge. My wife and my son, everybody gives me a hard time. If I see a kid out and he's dribbling the basketball, I stop and talk to him. If he's not dribbling a basketball, ask him why he's not dribbling a basketball. Let's give him a basketball, you know. Um, and then from there, man, we really ran and worked really hard to, you know, kind of make sure that everybody feels a part of what we're doing. I want them to be vested into um, into our program. We invite all of our rec coaches to come into practices. Like most of us, we all have closed practices for multiple reasons. But we open those up to 
any rec coach who wants to come at any point and if they want to bring their team at any point we say look we're not changing anything like we're gonna we call it intense fellowship in our program that's when we yell at kids you know if a kid needs some intense fellowship during that time we're not going to sugarcoat it just because you're in here um so we really want them involved we go to those games we sit in gyms on saturdays and see that fast forward to COVID hits and all rec basketball gets shut down around here. No rec sports are happening. So a buddy of mine that I've coached with before, Kevin Conley, he's like, man, we got to do some. His kids same age as mine. They played rec basketball with the coach today. So we, we started practicing with kind of our rec team that we had. We're like, man, we could evolve this into an AAU team if we ever get out of COVID, not knowing when that was going to happen, how long we were going to practice without playing. Um, and we started really working behind the scenes on creating an AAU program, which evolved into what's called the Knights Basketball Academy. Um, and that's evolved really quickly. Like, honestly, it's evolved way quicker than Kevin or I ever thought it was going to evolve into. So we have a fourth grade team, a fifth grade team, sixth grade team, a seventh grade team, um, an eighth grade team, a JV team. And then we have a satellite team in Danville where I was um, before. Another guy just reached out to me, wants to have another satellite team um, in Lynchburg. And like 90%, 90 to 95% of our kids are King Spring kids. Uh, like we tell our parents, you know, most AAU teams are going to go out and get all-star teams. We're really trying to develop fundamentals of our kids starting in fourth grade all the way through. A lot of them run the same baseline out-of-bounds plays that we run. Uh, they believe in the same defensive philosophy that we believe in. The terminology started to become the same. Um, and it's, it's been really good. We, we do a lot of stuff um, outside of basketball as well. We, uh, a buddy of mine, Rich Maxey, um, is kind of in charge of, you know, our community outreach. Uh, and we do this nothing but net campaign, which is very simple, but it's, I think it's pretty impactful. We go around to all the local parks um, elementary schools, middle schools, anywhere it has an outdoor park that just doesn't include Cave Spring area. It's the city. It's everywhere. And replace the basketball net. So we make our kids go and hmm. replace them. It's, and I think it's impactful just for the fact that, you know, if my son, when he replaced it at his elementary school, he sees the impact of that. You know, he gets to go out and play on those during, during recess and PE time. But when they have to go to the city or go to a school that they're not, and just a, a good way to give back and and Rich Maxey spearheaded that. And you know, we're really just trying to force our kids. It's not about you. It's, it's about more than just you. And let's find ways that we can do stuff for other people. Uh, and it's been, it's been fantastic. Let, let me, let me just kind of uh, just ask a quick question here. Are they, is it separate from the rec program or is it, yes. is it? Yeah. So it's separate from the rec just because we couldn't have rec this year. So we've, created this as well. So next year we'll have rec and KBA going on again okay. to cast a bigger net to be able to get more kids in, involved in the game of basketball. So you have tryouts. So how, um, obviously these are the kids that are more skilled that, I mean, is it, is it, tell me about the two different levels. Um, yeah. It, you know, and a lot of people are like, man, so what are you going to do with your kid next year when rec basketball and KBA is going on? I'm like, well, yeah, you could probably play both, you know, to me, the more time a kid can get on the court right now, the better to develop their game. Um, what was really cool is we did have tryouts um, and, and my players worked the tryouts, which is really cool because 
they're vested in our program and they want to see the younger generation be what they were because they were there at one point. You know, and, and again, some people are like, well, you're, you're drawing a line in the sand if you're creating an AAU team and you have a rec team because, like you said, there are two different levels. But my thing is, okay, well, the, if there's some upper-level kids that play KBA, they're honing their skills. And if some kids are still going to play rec basketball, well, they're going to have to step their game off, you know, because right. there might be some better kids that are playing KBA that, that they're going to develop their skills. I mean, my son's going to play both. I think a lot of kids will play both. Um, so, I, again, I think it's just casting a bigger net, um, and it's not just about basketball. Like, I can't emphasize that enough. It's about community service and, and giving back and, and, and being a well-rounded individual. Yes, and, and now your, your league, do you go out? Who do you play? Is, is it during the, is it during the wintertime, uh, during your basketball season, or is it during the spring? Now, you talking about KBA or rec? KBA, what do you do with that? Is that when, when is that run? Well, right now we're running year-round. Okay, uh, but, but with okay. Yeah, but with the understanding that, like, so when we had the winter season, KBA was first. Basketball was the first part. Because we have, you know, kids play basketball, baseball, football, everything. So we transferred into or transitioned into the spring, and baseball comes first. So we basically said, kids on our team, let's see your baseball schedule. Okay, you're playing this weekend, this weekend. So we'll play the opposite weekends. We practice on Mondays because everybody plays travel baseball all weekend. Nobody's practicing on Monday. So we, we don't want to have any kid choose. We don't have any uh, conflicts. So we've worked all around that. Um, July will pick up a little bit more for KBA for us. We'll play because travel baseball kind of slows down a little bit. Then in the fall, football will come first. Winter basketball will come first. So we really wanted to have that well-rounded kid and, and be able to work with kids. They don't have to choose on what they're doing. And, you know, too many kids, you know, are, are specializing in fifth grade, you know, and you know, I think that's crazy. Yeah, the specialization is not good. Um, I love how you're flexible uh, with the kids, giving them kind of choices to make. I think that's always good. Um, what about your, your coaches? You, you use your parents. How do you – how do you, how do you uh, get the coaches? Yeah, so the nice thing is, so we've kind of handpicked our coaches to this point. Um, you know, uh, most of them are parents, you know, just by default. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, one of them is, uh, so my seventh grade coach is uh, my middle school assistant coach. She does a phenomenal job um, with that. I help coach my fifth grade team, my sixth grade team. Um, is, is a dad, but he's also a K-Spring basketball alum, uh, which, is, which, is, which is really nice. Um, and then my middle school uh, coach is a dad of one of my former players who just graduated this year, uh, was my point register, Cameron Bishop, but he also helps coach that team. So I've got a kid that was my point guard that's helping his dad coach this team um, as well. So we're really trying to put in pieces of the puzzle where people are are not in it just for the kid. I mean, you know, the world we live in, but are vested into case free basketball. I want to see the betterment of all 10 kids that are on the team, not just, hey, let's feed my kid the ball and have the, the long-term goal that we have in mind. Like we tell them all the time, we're going to play better teams, you know, because they're picking from five or six schools. Uh, but what we're developing, you know, we're going to reap the benefits when they get in high school because they have been battle-tested it's majority just case spring kids. They're going to play together. 
And by the time we get to high school, all those other kids are going to go back to their schools and we're going to have the same team. And we're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to know where people are going to pass the ball before they pass it. We're going to know each play and player and we're going to know the ins and outs of everybody a lot better. That makes a lot of sense, Jacob, but it's not being done. <laughs> I just want to tell you. So you guys are, you guys are a step ahead. Uh, what I see a lot is people kind of going on their own teams. Kids are moving around on different teams. It's totally crazy, uh, which I don't think helps kids out at all. I think the consistency, staying within your program, I don't think there's anything wrong with making AAU a regional uh, activity. I mean, I mean, I had a girl last year, uh, actually the year before, she would travel all over the country. I mean, and it's like, is she getting that much better? Traveling over the country, or parents spending a lot of money—I, I just don't get that. I think I think AAU can be more regionalized. What's your opinion? I agree, man. You know, we preach just fundamentals, 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 fundamentals at this age. You know, just because again, my son's in fifth grade, and I'm really partial, and he's really fundamentally sound. But Coach K hadn't called about him. He hasn't been to any of them. We don't have any scholarship offers at this point. Um, right. So you know, we're just trying to say, look, man. If you just buy into what we're doing, we're going to have long-term success. You know, just trust the process, you know, trust what we're doing. And we also tell our guys, hey, you know, we have a, J- we have a JV uh, KBA team too. We also tell our guys, when you become more of a recruitable age and you're good enough or you're that elite kid that may, now we're talking maybe D1, D2, and yeah, you know what? We're going to hand place you on a couple of AAU teams that are outside of what we're doing. Uh, and, and put you where you need to be. And at that age, I think it's okay for kids to play a couple other places because at that point, when, they're, when we're talking money, when we're talking future, you know, it is about them. It's, it's not really a, a, about us and KBA or K-Spring basketball. We're going to let you be selfish and send you and help you place where you can go to get your exposure, but we're going to send you to that right level. You know, I'm not going to send you you know, if you're a Division three player, which if you're a Division three player, you're a phenomenal basketball player. I'm not going to send you to Division one showcases. Like, I'm going to send you where you need to go. Yeah, I love that. And that, that could be a whole podcast right there, Jacob. I just, I just see a lot of things that's going on in the AAU circuit. But I think we've created a monster in our society now. I think there's a lot of money being spent, uh, a lot of wasted money, and kids are not getting the, the end result that they're hoping for. Um, I think it goes back to more practice and less playing. I think you still got to play. I think you got to do both, but you can, whatever happened to the old school, going to the park and having great games like that, those, those days are over, right? That's the <laughs> dream right there. Like I tell kids all the time, you don't know what to do. Like kids can't go to the park and play because it's got to be like the shoes got to be right. The floor has got to be swept the right way. Exactly. The temperature has got to be right in the gym. Referee, really good basketball. It's got to be breakaway rims, glass backboard, like, and they need a coach to like say, "Hey, we're gonna play through it." Like, go to a park and play. Call your own fouls. Like, find your way on the floor. And if you lose, you got to battle your way back in. Like, that's where you really hone your skills, man. And you know, all these kids that, that, that chase this dream. And like you said, I'd love to know some of these people how much money they spend and invest, and what are they getting in return for? You know, I mean. Again, I'll do whatever I can to help my son or my daughter who's a gymnast. I'll do whatever I can to help them. But I, but I really hope that I'm realistic about, you know, I know she's not going to be some unbiased. I mean, it's hate to break her heart, but 
I probably right. wouldn't tell her that right now, but you know, it's right. just, it's, it's interesting. I think that's, you know, everybody blames AAU for everything. Well, I don't think AAU's the whole problem. I don't think high school basketball's the whole problem. And I don't think parents are the whole problem. I think we're all collectively in this thing together. And, you know, when I grew up, you know, if, if I didn't get playing time playing basketball, you know, my mom and dad told me work hard, yeah. figure it out. My dad and mom weren't saying, Hey, it's the coach's fault or let's jump ship and let's, go here or let's be on this AAT was, you know, work hard, like figure out what, what, you know, control what you can control and, 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 and do the right thing. Yeah. It sounds like you're in that type of community though, that the work ethic and uh, the proper values are definitely being emphasized, Jacob. Uh, really lucky. Sounds like to really me. Lucky. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, hey, talk about, you mentioned before about you're, you're a defensive coach. I want to know before you go, I want you to kind of give your defensive, program i want you to give your your key points um give us i want to steal a couple of drills from you um kind of talk about your defensive system yeah so um you know when i was at dan river high school we our philosophy was we're gonna press you right about an hour before you showed up to our gym and we were gonna press you the entire game and we're gonna foul you 100 times a game um and the officials gonna call about 15 and a half so our goal was we get away with about 70 fouls a game i feel pretty good about you know, it was just press, 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 go, 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 go. Uh, transition into uh, West Virginia Tech. Uh, Bob Williams believed in no middle, like no middle touches at all. Like if you gave up middles, like kissing your sister, I'm telling you, like that coach would go off if anybody gave up middle. And that's kind of where my philosophy really developed into no middle. Like my kids always give me a hard time here. They're going to put on my headstone, no middle because that's, they get tired of me saying, Coach right. Roth, my assistant coach, who was, who was my associate head coach for my first six years here, uh, he's actually transitioned to our JV coach. He would stat how many times offensively we got, we gave up, or we got middle and we scored, and how many times offensively we didn't get middle, how many times we scored. And then same thing defensively, how many times we gave up middle. That's what he would stat after every game. And it's, it's crazy. Every time defensively we would give up middle, their team would score roughly 74% of the time. And then when we did give up middle, you know, they only scored 26% of the time. It's, and, and same thing offensively, whenever we get a middle touch, you know, we scored at a very, very high rate and got a really, really good shot. So, you know, we, we don't give up middle in our program. Um, that's something we really pride ourselves on, you know, that's a, that's a Chris Beard, Texas Tech um, mentality. And, you know, a lot of people force middle, which is the, the, the Bennett's at UVA of the, of, of the world. Um, you know, and both systems are very right. You know, uh, I think if I had a, a couple of seven. Hey, coaches, this is Nick Bartlett, marketing manager here at Dr. Dish Basketball. And we're thrilled to be a part of the 2020 Championship Vision Virtual Clinic. Coach Kevin Furtado has been a great friend of ours for a few years now, and we greatly appreciate his commitment to growing the game the right way and providing great resources to the basketball coaching community. At Dr. Dish, we're always here to help as well with our state-of-the-art equipment, drills, and content. If you're ready to upgrade to the best training machines in the world and join top programs like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, Louisville, and countless others, we'd love to have you as a part of the Dr. Dish family. Remember, we take trade-ins on all shooting machines, including competitors, for significant discounts. And just by registering for this clinic, you're eligible to receive an additional exclusive $300 off your next Dr. Dish purchase. 
For more information, visit our website at drdishbasketball.com. Give us a call or shoot me an email directly at nick at drdishbasketball.com. And make sure to follow us on all social media channels at drdishbball. I would force them. Um, we don't. We don't have that. Right. Um, what's crazy is so Bob Williams, the guy I coach for Western Tech, who basically uh, uh, every defensive drill I do, all the defensive philosophies I believe in are from him. Rewind about four years ago, he changed his whole defensive philosophy to give middle to force middle, and like he and I fight about it to this day, and I, I still tell him he's wrong. Um, so we we don't give up middle. You know, we we really believe in. Um, you know, getting the ball to a, we call it thirds, getting it to a third of the floor and keeping it there. Um, you know, in high school basketball, it's us as coaches, myself included, I feel like we overcoach. Uh, sometimes we don't let our kids play enough. And it's, hey, we come down, we throw the ball here. This guy's got to cut here. We got to throw the ball back here to make this cut to do this. So all of a sudden, if we're guarding you a little bit differently, and you can't rotate that ball and get it back to the middle, like kids at the high school age, you know, Tend to freak out a little bit more, you know. They're they're not as as good to to to, to go on their own, uh, and, and and you know, and to, to add live for a back lack of better work. So we we don't give up middle, uh, we don't give up baseline either. Um, so we believe in a ton of ball pressure with a ton of help because we believe if we keep the ball in a third of the floor, you know, we should have three guys in the middle of the paint. We should basically cut the ball pressure into a third and then cut the court in half. Um, is, is what we want. We don't want a ball reversal because it's, it's so hard to, to close out and recover from, from a ball reversal, let alone two or three ball reversals. Because, you know, we're not the quickest, most athletic team. I mean, I hate to break our guys' hearts, but I tell them that all the time. So if we could just play smarter, um, that, that really helps us. Yeah, I love that. We're a no-middle team as well, Jacob. Uh, what do you do when you say um, – because we, we don't want we don't want anything reversed from the top. So we're out there denying the point. Now I coach girls, okay? Yeah. So um, a lot of girls, they don't handle the ball that great. So we're we're really kind of either forcing a long skip pass or the problem with that sometimes is dribble penetration from the wing and so forth. If you're denying that, we feel like we want girls to put the ball on the ground because most girls can't handle. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so, um, how do you stop dribble penetration now? So if you're if you're preventing that ball reversal and so forth, what do you do? What do you do? You you stunt, you help recover. How do you, how do you stop that? Yeah, we do a lot of stunt. Uh, we, we call it sword fight. We don't help off the corner at all. We sword we call it sword fight where you show and go um, to the corner. Um, you know, because I, I feel like that's one of the best shots in basketball to penetrate net kick to the corner when you get help. Um, so we 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 sword fight in the corner. Unless obviously it's a scouting report where the kid can't shoot, then we would we we would help big time. But we we have the guy that's in the far corner. He's in the middle of the lane, so he steps up a whole lot higher. And even so, when we guard the ball on the side, we tell our guys our chest to the sideline, which is gives up and entices a lot of straight line drives, which right. we can kind of get burned on that a little bit. Um, so. With that, the guy, if there's a guy at the point, we get in a little bit better of gap help where we don't necessarily deny that reversal back to the point. We try to we try to deny that reversal by the way we ball pressure and the way that our body is aligned on the ball, if that makes sense. Right, sure. Um, yeah, and then so so hopefully, you know, most most teams are gonna have a guy on the wing, we'll have a guy in the corner, 
and then probably three guys on the other side. So those three guys on the other side have to be, we call it the midline, and that's the middle of the paint to be there. Obviously, if the guy attacks uh, from the wing, guy steps up, then we help one more. The point guy steps down the middle lane, and we make the ball go go towards half court um, is, is, is our philosophy with that. Give us your best drill for that. Is it shell drill? Give us one drill that coaches can take home with them. We do what's called uh, – so one of the best drills we do, and again, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, so whenever I still play a drill, whatever, I call it after where I got from. So we call it the West Virginia Tech drill. It's the best help-the-helper drill um, that, that, that I've ever done. And, again, it comes from Bob Williams, so I, I, I deserve zero credit for this other than just being a thief and stealing um, so, um, you know what? Let's see if we can do this. You got a board? You yeah, do it. Hey, it, hey. You came oh, ready. Right. I love it. Look at that. All right. Can you see it okay? That, hey, hey, kind of turn it a little bit more. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, we can see it. Yeah, no problem all right. at all. So, you got a coach here with the basketball, right? Yeah. So, you draw a three point line. So, you have a defender coming in late, right? So, you got an offensive guy in the corner here. Offensive guy, offensive guy, offensive guy. You got three defensive guys that are circling and talking who's going to guard the ball. Can you see that okay? Can we move? Let me see. That, that's better right there, Coach. That's better. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you got three guys. So they're talking who's got it, right? So the key is the coach throws here to this offensive guy that we really want to attack the basket right here. All right. Okay. He really So defensive guy. Has to meet him outside the paint. Has to meet him outside the paint. Big hands right there. Big hands right there outside the paint. Okay. This guy is late coming to the game here. All right. Late coming to the game here. So when this happens, this guy has to take the one more pass because we can't give up baseline. He's got zipped to the corner. We're screwed. Right. Right. This guy drops to the middle of the paint right here. And this guy comes in late. So when this ball is thrown here, it's live. He can attack. He can skip, skip. He can attack, whatever. So when this, when this goes live, this guy has to come in and figure it out real quick. So if it's a skip here, this might be this guy calling ball and him attacking. And it's 404 immediately. And again, like this guy here, you want somebody that post that can come here. This might be your point guard that has to step out and guard this. But he can't allow baseline. He can't allow middle, and he can't allow anything to happen. He has to get out and pressure that as, as hard as he can. This guy has to take that one more way. He has to clog up the middle. And basically, this guy's kind of in charge of guarding two until this guy can get here. This guy may have to sprint and, and take that guy on a skip. But it's, a, it's, a, it's probably the best defensive drill. If I could do one defensive drill before I die one more time, it would be West Virginia Tech. And it's a, a great competitive drill. That, uh, that we keep scoring. You know, if you score, you get point value. If you get a stop, you get a point. If you take a charge, you get two points. Offensive rebound counts as another point. Um, you know, so you allow the defense and then you flip it to offense and the offense goes to defense as well. You know, we usually play to eight or 10. Um, and it's, it's a great drill where, you know, kids really get fired up in this drill and they get really pissed off at each other and, uh, you know, it's it's the best. It's, it's my favorite drill. If I could do one drill again the rest of my life, it'd be Bob Williams, West Virginia Tech drill. Hey, that's what I want, man. I, yeah. I want your best drill. 
So yeah, that's, basically that's it's four on four on four. So you have, let's say, let's say the defense gets possession. What do they do? Kick it out to the offense, start the drill again? Is it, or how? Yeah, yeah. So they get it. Yeah, we may give the, uh, you know, a offense, you get four possessions, boom, and then deep, and then flip it, and then we'll get four possessions again. Um, it's really, it's really good. You know, and the coach doesn't always have to throw it to the short corner. He can throw a skip pass immediately. You know, then because it works on man, being able to close out, sprint to help, sprinting to help, you know, especially that guy coming in late. It says sprinting to a man. Communication is so huge in that drill. I mean, you've got to be talking the entire time. You've got to defend. You've got to contest shots. You have to finish a play with a two-hand rebound. You have to box out like. It takes everything that we want to do with the coach and throws it right in this. You know, if you've got to close out, if the coach decides to throw a skip, you know, that guy's got to close out the, at the right angle and not give up middle. You know, everybody else has to sprint and get inside of people. And it's it's really one of those drills I think can emulate a lot of things that we want as a coach that in a game that's hard to emulate in practice and emulate, you know, when a skip happens or when a post-touch happens or, you know, when you're in scramble defense. And it's – Again, I think if you ask any kid that, that's come through my program in seven years, what's coach's favorite drill? I think 100% of would say, oh, he's going to do West Virginia Tech drill. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really great. You start them in a scramble situation where mm-hmm. they have to basically fix it, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, 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 like we tell them all the time, like figure it out. Like, coach, well, I don't know. Figure it out. Figure like, it out. You've got to figure it out, man, because I'm not going to be able to game to blow the whistle and be like, hold on, man. Like, we didn't recover that very well. Let us try that again. No, they just, they just buried a three on you. Yeah, I love that. What's your, I mean, your your practice philosophy, is it more uh, offense, defense, constant? I like to do more game-like drills, um, whereas you got to have technique. But I think a lot of coaches over-teach technique. I mean, you know, for example, I mean, how many times you're going to focus on you know, your perfect follow-through when most of the time you're being contested, you got to move the ball around the different, do we, What's your philosophy on, on, on really teaching the game? I think, you know, I, I think one of the biggest knocks that I have on myself is I don't let our kids play a lot in practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I need to let them play a little bit more. And, and with age, I've gotten a little bit better at that. Um, <laughs> but usually I practice about 60% defense, about 40% offense. Right. Uh, when we first got here, it was probably 70 to 80% defense because we were really good offensively. And I think we were very good defensively. So over time, it's it's kind of starting to get that good balance. And I'm like, you, anything that we can do competitive, I've got an unbelievable manager here uh, that's going into our third year with us who is phenomenal. Like, he gets so much stuff done that without him, our program doesn't run the way that it does. Uh, keeps the clock, keeps score. He actually statted our state championship year. Uh, he statted every practice. He had a stat sheet. So as coaches, we could be like, Parker deflection, you know, Jalen turnover, Reed made three, whatever. And as and he would hand it to me as soon as practice was over, and I could look at Parker Hoffman was our lead rebounder. I'm like, Parker, they had practice, you had three rebounds. What are you doing, man? Or Buster, who was our point guard, I mean, he had six turnovers today in practice. Like that immediate feedback, man, you talk about kids being locked in in practice, is all of a sudden you get a stat sheet immediately. Like it was very, very good. So, you know, Anything that we can do high intensity, uh, I try not to do a drill for more than five to seven minutes because a kid's uh, uh, attention span is about that, probably mine too. Uh, they start to get bored. Um, you know, we, 
I've, like every coach, we do a minute by minute practice schedule. And you ask my coaches, it gets off really quickly, but I do try to stay exactly. pretty close to it. Right. But you know how that goes, man. You start firing on something and you stay in it and, you know, and roll with the punches. But it's a pretty fluid practice. We try to go as hard as we can. And, you know, we, we only get two hours, like most of us. And, and we try to maximize those two hours as much as we can. I don't want to waste the kid's time. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste our assistance time. So we try to really, really get after it. I love the objective data. I think kids need that. Because I think as coaches, I know I'm guilty. Hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. Hey, they need data. And I think the more we can data things, I think for the, we don't have a guy like you had. I mean, so we video a lot, but that takes a lot of extra effort. I think managers are underrated. Oh, man. Managers can be the best thing in the world or the worst thing in the world. They can be a lot more work exactly. or a lot less work. They're never exactly. just okay. And I'm telling you, I hit the jackpot with the guy I've got right now. I told him, I said, you're the, he's, he's brilliant too. He's he does all of our game day graphics, and nice. I'm just bad about this stuff. I told him, I said, man, I want you to fail a couple grades so you hang out with me a little bit longer. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Or hey, he'll be a, he'd be a great he'd be a great uh, manager at the next level. Honestly. I tell him that all the time. I'm like, man, if you want to do this, we can set you up, man. You'd be so beneficial. Oh, there's no doubt. That's what we need in today's analytic day. He'll get a job doing that somewhere. Absolutely, uh, for sure. All right, Coach. Hey, before you go, how did – give me something that during your championship season, whether that was a defensive possession, a great play call, something that kind of got you guys over the hump, you guys knew you were going to kind of make that run for the championship. God. I'm trying to think of one one spot. I'll tell you, one, one good game that um, we had, it was a uh, an overtime game we were playing. I'll leave the team up unnamed um and we we're playing them they were they were super athletic they did a really good job you know with us having two bigs they played five guards a lot which was hard for us to guard we're not gonna have a six seven and six eight kid go out they had five kids on the floor that could shoot it all time and an unbelievable point guard i mean he was super athletic could get to the cup at any point uh we kept him to two points in the first half it was a great game um and uh so call me, I told our guys that time, I said, he's really going to force it, man. He's really going to force it. And uh, this is one of the best coaching things we've ever done because it actually came true. And uh, so it was late. He, he started really forcing it in the, in the second half and started kicking our butt, you know, him personally in the second half. I had like 12, I think. Um, and then we started clamping back down on him on defense, and he started to get real frustrated in the fourth quarter. He had three fouls at that point. And uh, – they called a timeout to set up a sideline out of bounds play. It's about four minutes left to the game. I think we're up like, you know, maybe four. And I told our guys, I looked at Parker off and I said, if you'll slide in and take a charge, because he's going to bully drive to the basket right here because he's starting to get frustrated again. I said, if you slide in and take a charge on this kid, that'll be his fourth foul. He's going to say something to the official and get a technical and he's going to be done. And if I don't know why the stars and the moon is lined up, but that's exactly what happened. And Parker <laughs> ran over to me. He's like, how'd you know that, coach? How'd you know that was going to happen? And I'm that's like, right. dude, like, I owe you one big guy. I owe you one upstairs, man. Like, the stars of the moon lined up, man. And uh, it was a cool moment as a coach that actually, you know, really came true, man. It, it was really cool. But I've got a great picture of that. Parker's taking I mean, he's getting drilled. He got drilled by this kid because he was super athletic. We couldn't stop him getting to the cup. And if he wouldn't have fouled out, Parker wouldn't have taken that charge, like it was a, 
it's a huge point in that game and late in the season. It was uh, it wasn't during our playoffs, but it was it was really good and. You know, it, it was nice to see that that actually came true for the coach. The coach actually won one on that one. Yeah, well, those those little things like, but that probably gave your kids a little confidence in themselves and you yeah. as a coach. Now, hey, I, I would imagine that wasn't a lucky guess. That was through a lot of video preparation. And what, yeah. what they say is that one decision is not based on that one time. It's based on all the work you did ahead of time, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely, man. I was, I was watching that team play about 45 times, it felt like. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's what it really paid off. I don't think a lot of coaches realize all that prep work. That's, that's why you coach, is you got to do that. It'll, it'll show up in a big game. That's coach, right. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time out to uh, talk to me and share with our listeners. Hey, what's your final advice for, let's say, a coach coming in here in June now, starting a new program? You've been doing this a while. What recommendations do you have for a new coach or just a experienced coach, coach coming into a new situation? Man, just be you. Just be authentic. Um, man, I think anymore too many people try to emulate what they see on TV or try to be somebody they're not, man. And, and kids will see right through you. Parents will see right through you. I think, man, if you're really genuine, if you're really passionate and you're the hardest working person, like, I think really good things are going to happen to, you know, my parents, uh, I, I have the most unbelievable set of parents. I, I had the best childhood ever growing up at my parents were phenomenal. People still are. And, and they really taught me the right things and the right way to do things. And, and, and I try my best. I fell at it miserably, but I try my very best to be like them um, every single day of my life. And, and, and I think, man, if you just come in and you're just that genuine person, you're that passionate person and you genuinely care about people and you got to care about them other than what they can do for you on the basketball floor and, and get really vested in the community and just be who you are and believe in what you're doing. Like good things are going to happen. Like there's no fast track in this profession, you know, just, just work your butt off and good things will happen. And sometimes you got to learn the hard way. You can, you can be doing all the right things and still get fired. I mean, I mean that's all, that's all part of our profession. That's, that's, you find out what kind of coach you are, right? You better believe this it. is the hardest profession, you know, I, I think around because you're always wrong. You know, even if you win every game or, you know, you win state championships or whatever, like you, you got to understand that like you're going to be wrong a lot, but like you got to understand that it's more about, you know, wins and losses. It's about the relationships you build with kids. And when kids call you, you know, 10, 15 years that you, that you coached 10 or 15 years ago and you still have those relationships and, and they still reach out to you and they still want to come around. They still want to see your program do well, man. That's, that's success, man. I mean, we, we all want the, the plaques and the, the rings and, and all that's really, really good. But, you know, it's, it's all about the relationships that you build with these young men and, you know, how you can make an impact on their life and how they can make an impact on yours, man. And that, that's winning, man, in my opinion. Coach, you can see why you built such a consistent winning program there. I appreciate all the knowledge you have share diving inside the cave spring program man i really appreciate that um thanks again for coming on and i wish you the best i you probably have practice probably in an hour right no knowing you guys out there you if, probably I could practice, if i could practice 24 hours a day seven days a week i would i, I love it man i'm telling you you know i just can't stress enough man how much i appreciate all you do man i just appreciate our friendships the knowledge that you've given how you promote basketball man it's 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 really good man people who aren't listening to your podcast 
are really missing out, man. And I uh, appreciate all you do and go Knights. Exactly right, Coach. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you uh, taking the time out. And hopefully you'll come, come to our clinic coming up in September. I'll send you an invite. Hey, as long as you can guarantee me Gene's going to be there and, and Mike's not going to be there. I wouldn't I mean, Gene there and Mike not there. We'll call it even. <laughs> yeah, I, I, might, I might have Mike and Jacob, a little Gruz and Hedrick together, man, on a speaking. <laughs> you get those two together, your ratings will drop. They'll plummet. You don't want to do that. <laughs> hey, 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 he got out of Virginia, man. I don't know what you Virginia coaches think. <laughs> uh, he, he's a, hey, that's, a, that's a big loss for us. He's a heck of a coach. Hey, he's a great coach, man. We're looking forward to him seeing him build a program out here. Yeah. Jacob, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Hi, this is Kirk Gilsdorf of Clackamas Community College Women's Basketball, formerly Oregon City High School Girls Basketball. And as a veteran coach, I'm always looking for new ideas, new things to listen to, somewhere I can improve my coaching. And I've discovered the Championship Vision podcast from Kevin Furtado, and it has become my number one go-to podcast each and every week. Kevin brings in guests that provide a unique perspective, whether it's on X's and O's, philosophy, drill work, whatever it might be. Uh, he's going to get something out there that's going to help me as a coach get better. And I think that's what we should all be doing as coaches is helping each other get better. Uh, Kevin himself is, is always hungry to learn. You can sense that in his podcast. And so, again, I can't recommend it highly enough. Championship Vision Podcast, Kevin Furtado. Keep up the great work.